And so the life, in the journey of life, as a parent or in marriage, your relationship with Christ, I mean, it has, we are expecting things, but also there is a lot of unexpected things. We're expecting to get married and, and get pregnant. But for many, that is not a given anymore. And they are very unexpectedly are told that they cannot conceive children. So there is a lot of that all the time going on. Expecting things, and then in the midst, we did not expect that. And how do we do that? So this, in, in this journey, we've gone in the journey to the cross. And I know we usually think of the journey when Jesus, you know, when Jesus was about to die, but, you know, the journey started a long time before that. But even for the foundation of the world, because we think, you know, when we are, uh, when we are conceived a child, then we think then the journey starts for nine months. But it is not true, because our journey starts even before the foundation of the world. That's where our journey starts with God. And so if we talk about the journey, you know, there are very uh, lots of stages in our journey. And so we're going to talk today about a stage of, of the disciples in their journey with God. And so the Eastern message is, is still very relevant today as it was for them. Uh, we need to take into account that we've got the book and they didn't. You know, we're just thinking, well, you should have known. You should have expected that. But they were actually living it. They were the eyewitnesses who walked with Jesus for three years. And so their account, their testimony, we find in here. From Mark, from Luke, and John, and Peter, they were eyewitnesses to the journey of Jesus to the cross and after. And so even today, the question is still, for a lot of us, for a lot in the world, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And for us as believers, we, we can give an answer. But even in the time when the disciples were with Jesus, um, they asked themselves that same question. Because Jesus said, who do you say I am? Because lots of people had lots to say about Jesus. And Peter, just full of faith in that moment, full of faith, he said, you are the Christ, you are the Son of God. And Jesus replied, well, bless you, Peter, but you haven't got that from yourself, because that is revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. So if we compare Easter with our disciples, and the Easter that we have now, that is, we have a huge advantage. We have. Because we can just go to the book and just find it all. But they were just living the journey. That was all documented because they were eyewitnesses. So the disciples followed Jesus. Well, not really. They were asked to follow Jesus said, come and follow me. And I think, you know, Jesus had such an authority, <clears throat> such a command in his voice that they couldn't hesitate. So they were following 
and Jesus. And then, and you know, they saw all the miracles. They saw healings, and they heard phenomenal teaching of Jesus that was totally out of the box in those times. But also a driving force was for them to keep following Jesus was the outrageous claims that Jesus made about himself. He said some things that really didn't belong to him. It was Jesus who said, like, he was the Lord of the Sabbath. Well, come on, Jesus. You can't say that. It was Jesus who said, I'm going to destroy all the works of the devil. Huh? They must have thought, well, what are you talking about? It was Jesus who said that he was the bread of life. It, it was Jesus who said all kinds of things about himself, that he could forgive sins. No, no, Jesus, that belongs to God, because only God can forgive sins. How dare you to claim that you can forgive sins. He said that he was greater than Moses. He was greater than Abraham. He said he was greater than the temple. Man, he was just totally... People got really annoyed. People, you know, it was not all, all hell Jesus all the time. Because he said these outrageous things about himself. But inside the disciples, there must have been something they think, you know, if he really is what he says he is, we might be in for a great deliverance. And so they kept with Jesus to this journey. And their confidence and their expectation, man, it was building by the day. But obviously not everybody was happy. If you read in the Bible about the religious leaders, they were just disgusted with Jesus. They were so annoyed with him because of what he says. He was just blasphemous. It was just... <sighs> then we come in John 6. I'm mostly in, John, in the John Gospel today. In John 6, you know, a lot of people were hanging around Jesus and, you know... You know, if it was a really a good speaker, and obviously they, it was all in a public arena. Jesus didn't go in a hall or anything like that. He was just in the public arena where all the people were. And so he gathered a crowd, and it was getting late. And, you know, there were thousands of people there, imagine, also just listening to Jesus for his teaching. And, you know, they, they had not expected to be hanging around Jesus all day. They were expecting, you know, oh gosh, lunch should be on, or you know, I need to go home for dinner and all of that. It was not like they were so captivated what Jesus had to share. And so he said to the disciples, just feed them. <clears throat> oh, that's uh, easy said and done, isn't it? Feed 5,000, more than 5,000 people. And you know the story with, you know, the, the loaves and the fishes and all of that. And Jesus just fed the whole crowd. That was unexpected. That was such an unexpected miracle how Jesus did do that. And you know, only, you know, who, what kind of people would feed the poor or feed the hungry? Usually it would be a king who would do that. It would feed his people. And so, um, so Jesus says in verse 15, he said, he withdrew because Jesus just knew 
in his, he could read people's heart, and that they wanted him to make king with force, and he didn't. It was not time. And so they go across the lake and, you know, try to get away from people. Anybody has crossed the street to get away from somebody? Or crossed the aisle in the shop or something? Oh, no, I don't want to talk to this person. Not now. We've all been there. And so Jesus is, is, is similar. You know, he did across the lake and hopefully the people won't follow him. And lo and behold, there is another crowd gathering. And the word gets out. You know, we've been fed by Jesus. All of us, we had all had to eat. It was a miracle. And you know, when a word like that goes out, that food is free, you know, people will just turn up, isn't it? Turn up, they're still the same today. If I say it's free today at McDonald's, then we all go. There was a um, um, first of April joke, you know, a first April joke in, um, in Dunedin at the time. And Spates, you know, is they had got a headquarters in uh, in Dunedin, and they have spring water that they use for their beer, and people can always every day they can get that fresh spring water if they bring their containers. They said for this day, at this day only, uh, it would not be water; it would be beer. Well, we have never seen such an influx of people. Free beer, you know, people not with a small carry can, but Huge parts of carry the beer. It was a joke. But it's still, when it's free, people just turn up. And they wanted another miracle. But Jesus didn't talk, didn't want to do another miracle. So he talks about the bread of life. And he said that he was the bread of life who comes from heaven. And obviously there was a, I'm sure there was a smart aleck in the midst of it. and said, no, 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 you're not from heaven. You're Joseph's son. Mary, from, you know, from Nazareth. But Jesus said no. He was the bread of life that came down from heaven. You know, there was some hard teaching that people couldn't get their head around. Because he said one of those things he said, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. That was just out of it. What does the man mean? It was just like, no, I, I'm, I'm, I, I can't keep following him. I can't, no, I don't agree with what he said. I don't even understand what he says. And we read in the Bible that lots of disciples, not the twelve, but other disciples, left Jesus because they, they, they couldn't grasp hold of it, what he was doing or what was he was saying about himself. Most of the disciples, they were not his close ones. They were not following him for what he did, but who he proclaimed to be. And that is quite a different story, isn't it? People even follow us because of what we do. But they don't follow us who we are. And we all need to be acknowledged for who we are. That is more important than what we do. So then we come in John 11... And obviously, Jesus had some close friends, Lazarus and Martha, Maria. And, and the, he got the news through somebody uh, that Lazarus was really ill. And the sisters would really love him to come, uh, to, obviously, to come to the house. 
And obviously, to bring that healing to Lazarus, because they knew that Jesus was the one who healed. And so Jesus finally arrived. He took his time. You think, Lazarus was already dead for days when Jesus arrived at their home, and people are wailing and crying and carrying on. And, um, and the sisters were truly disappointed. They had expected that Jesus would just come because they were their friends. And Lazarus was sick. They, they thought Jesus would just come straight away. But he didn't. He did not. And so they were so disappointed. And then you write there, he said, if you had been there, if you had been there, my brother wouldn't have had died. And you can just hear the heartache. You can hear that their, their hope has just sinks to the lowest level because he would have lived. And then Jesus comes back with another incredible statement. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me shall never die but have life. And asked, I think it was Martha or Mary, one of them, he said, do you believe it? And he said, yeah, of course I believe it, you know, and, you know, in time to come. But then Jesus did the ultimate, didn't he? He did the ultimate with Lazarus, and he asked Lazarus to come out of the tomb and, and, and said, Lazarus, come out. And lo and behold, Lazarus comes out and he's risen from the dead. And man, that is a commotion. That was just, the whole town was in, was in amazement, astonished. They were not expecting that Jesus would do something like that. That was totally out of the box. And you know, that means there was momentum. There was so much momentum around Jesus on, uh, during his life. It was just building and building. He had a whole swell of support. The momentum was growing, and many, many believed in him. That's what the Word of God says. Too many, actually. Too many, because he became a problem. He became a huge problem to the enemies in Jerusalem. They saw uh, a dark cloud coming and um, they thought Jesus is far too popular. He is just ruined everything. They had to do something. They had to stop him. He can't be doing this and claiming in who he is. That is just can't be happening. It's not like... It, it, all the people here, but the whole world will catch us on to this. Weren't they right? And so they were thinking how they could, uh, because Jesus could not take their place. No way. They were the leaders. They were the prominent people in the city. And then obviously you got the Romans who were there at the time because they were occupied. No way we could have a person like Jesus upset the status quo. No way. We had to do something. And so they started the plot to kill Jesus. They knew that Jesus was coming for Passover to Jerusalem because everybody comes. Everybody goes. It is like a festival. You have to be there. You cannot miss it. You, people from all over uh, 
Israel or whatever it was called in those days, they all come and the people from other countries, they were all come to the Passover to celebrate. It was a huge occasion and hundreds and hundreds of thousand people would come into Jerusalem. I mean, so good for business and everything. It was just a great festival, the festival. So they knew that they were coming and Jesus was coming too. The crowd knew he was coming. The city was just buzzing. And it was also full of spies because they want to find an opportune moment to isolate Jesus and because they want to get rid of him. But the city was just in patriotic seal. You know what I mean? Even when we watch rugby or anything, if you ever watch a Dutch uh, soccer uh, match, you would see that we all in orange, orange flags and clothing, hats and everything. Everything is orange. Why orange? Because we honor the king, the house of orange. That's why it is. Because our king is from the house of orange. And so that is our national color. And we celebrate knowledge. Imagine what they did in Jerusalem. And they did, Jesus came and they got the branches off the palm trees. They had to do something. There were no flags, but they had to do something to welcome Jesus in the city because, you know, this was the moment. This probably, you know, this was probably he wanted to be crowned king. And, oh, everybody was just pumping. Can you imagine? It was a reminder for all the Jews. You know, one time when they were in bondage, in Egypt, uh, that God delivered them. And they were hoping and expecting that this Jesus would bring the breakthrough and get them out of bondage of the Romans. <sighs> hoping and expecting. Maybe this was the one. Or does he, was he just a wannabe? You know, we got lots of wannabes in the world these days. Want, or want to be this and that. Was Jesus a wannabe? Or was he the real McCoy? So Jesus arrived in the city and, and the people took palm branches, it says. They were shouting, Hosanna! Oh, they were just so full of praise of God. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, blessed is the king from Israel. Oh, they were just so, so full of praise. And Jesus came on a donkey, you know, just put it in perspective. And Jesus just let it all happen. And you know, it gets political very quickly. And, but Jesus was still able to teach in all kinds of places and move himself to the city in that time. And, uh, but the religious leaders were waiting for that moment, for that moment. The people who really believed in Jesus, they were waiting for that moment. And, you know, nothing happened from both ends till Judas. He was just sick of waiting. And he goes to religious leaders and he says, I'm tired of this. And he just betrayed Jesus for a few silver coins. And he said, I can tell you where he is. I'll help you and all of that. People, Judas was one of his own. We know that Jesus celebrated Passover, or we call it the Last Supper, 
as we read in here, with his disciples. You know, every Passover is special. Even this one was more special. So Jesus said, I long to be with you for this meal. He knew it would be his last meal with his friends like this. I'm not quite sure that the disciples knew what was really going on. That Jesus increases their expectation. You know, he was talking about a new covenant. That they needed to love people as Christ had loved them. As I had loved you. And Jesus talked about the, the, the body that's given for you. I talked about the blood for, that was for the forgiveness of sins. He talked about so many things. And they were thinking, wow, it must be nearly time for Jesus to declare himself king. Unbeknown to them, something would happen. And something would happen for you and me not that long after. Because it says in John 3.16, said that God loved the world so much that he gave his only, only son. And whoever who believes in him shall die, shall not die, but have eternal life. To the world, it was not just for them. It was not just that they lived in Jerusalem. It was for the world. And so they leave the meal and of Gethsemane and Jesus betrayed him. I'll go quickly through that because, you know, we've still got Good Friday to come. We've still got Easter to come. Go to the high priest and, and the wannabe king gets flogged and he gets beaten, beaten the life out of him nearly. And, and they think surely the crowd would not force him to execute this innocent man. But the crowd turns on him. You know the story. And because... He claims to be the king. His fate is, is set. He's going to be crucified. Imagine the disciples. Peter. Judas. His mother. John. They all played a part. They were witnesses. They were there. They were actually there. They heard Jesus say, It is finished. They did. It was not supposed to finish. Not like this. They were heartbroken in that moment. How, 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 how can this be? They did not expect this to happen it like this. Or didn't have they take notice? It all happened so fast. They hadn't even time to process it. They couldn't get a head around it. How would it all happen? How did it come? And so Jesus died. It was getting dark. It was getting late. And so they had to get, get his body. Joseph was there, Arimathea. Nicodemus was around. And they put him in the tomb because before sundown. You know what? They put 34 kilos of spices with him because... They're expecting Jesus to stay dead. That's why they put all those spices in. Why on earth would they put 34 kilos of spices with a dead body if they think he would live over three days? They didn't. They said Jesus is dead and he stays dead. And that's what usually happens. 
And so they go home and they be convinced that they were so convinced that Jesus was the Son of God. But they were done now. They were emotionally spent. They were so tired. They just stayed inside. They, they isolated themselves because when Jesus died, all hope died. They were just done. The light was out on everybody. And how, how could we keep this dream alive? What was this all about? Hanging out for Jesus for three years and, and ending up like this. Because Jesus, if he was not who he claimed to be, they, they believed he was correct about himself. And that's why they kept following him. But where are they now? Now is he dead? He's buried? They've been waiting for this for hundreds of years for the king to come and to rescue them. And so they thought it was all over. Maybe he didn't, wasn't telling the truth. Maybe it was all a lie. Maybe he wasn't want to be king. You know, all these things that go through your mind and especially go through your mind when, you, when your hope is on the lowest level. Your mind goes crazy. Anybody being there. When we lose hope in a moment, our minds go haywire. They all expected Jesus to, to, to be and to stay dead. You know, there was no one standing on the third day by the tomb. No one. There was no countdown and saying, 10, 9, 8, 7, Six, five, four, three, two, one. Jesus! No, none of that. There was nobody there. Nobody was expecting it. Until there was a knock on the John's door. Knock, knock. It can't be the Romans because they are badging in. Sorry. So it must be something we know. And who was there? Mary was there. Mary was beside herself. She said, they have stolen my Lord. My Lord is not there. Where have they put him? Oh, okay. No, 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 nobody knew. Nobody knew. So what had happened? Something did happen. And something unexpected happened on that early morning. That morning that sealed the promise for once and for all. A dead, buried body of Jesus started to breathe again. And out of the silence, because it must have been, in that out of the silence, the roaring lion came on the scene. The heavens were just full of music, full of worship. I mean, they knew, they were expecting it, and they were just triumphant singing that Jesus had risen from the dead. That was marvelous. That was so good. That could not hold him. He couldn't. It says, 
He silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens were roaring. The praise of his glory. Because he was raised to life again. And everything, everything changed in that moment. In that split second. Everything changed for the disciples who were around in these days. Everything changed. Because they had a story to tell. But now they had the story to tell. The testimony that Jesus who was dead was risen from the dead. And that is the story that we're still telling today. That Jesus is alive. Jesus, beautiful Jesus, it's beautiful name, it's powerful name. There is power in the name of Jesus. So, now the story of Jesus is worth telling. And they have. And it still is. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Hope was restored. And hope is alive. And never has the world been the same again since that day. The church was born that day. And the testimonies went out all over the world. Still today. And it can change your world. When we are accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. When we are accepting hope to come in our lives. Then we are never alone again. Then he is always with us. Then he is the one who forgives our sins. That he gives us fullness of life. It is just a marvelous experience when you accept Jesus in your life. If you are here today, or even if you are online today, and you have not received Jesus, Jesus the hope of the world, Jesus the Savior, Jesus the healer, Jesus the miracle worker, Jesus who is always with you, if you have not received him as yet, I invite you, to invite Jesus to come in your life. Jesus changed the whole world, but he also changed personal lives because he is a personal God. And whatever Jesus' uh, stories we read here in the Bible of healing, restoration, <coughs> breaking us free from all kinds of stuff of the devil and all of that, that can happen in your life because Jesus is resident in your life. That is just the greatest story. That is the greatest testimony. And I encourage you, you be the testimony to your world. You carry Jesus. And if you are carrying Jesus, then you've got a testimony. You, you got to tell your world about him, what Jesus has done in your life. That Jesus is the Son of God. And I ask you, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say? And who do you make other people tell the testimony of Jesus Christ, who is our Savior?